Do you bake sourdough? Cooking clean while your husband works? Yearn for a simpler time? You might be a trad wife. A rejection of modern feminism has propped up a wave of social media influencers promoting their version of femininity. While this has brought about the wrath of both feminists and trads, we share a Catholic perspective on the latest social media craze. Also, are we finally on the path to impeachment over President Biden's shady business dealings? And does this timing feel a bit too convenient? And can you guess what is so controversial about this picture posted by the USCCB? Hint, it's not about NFP. All this and more on this week's edition of The Loopcast. Bless everyone. Welcome back to the Loopcast, where we talk faith, culture, and politics. Today, we are reunited with Erica. It is Erica, Josh, and Tom. Erica, I hope you enjoyed your break. I did. Thank we you. We have quite a show lined up for you. I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Trad wives. It's a loaded phrase. People have a lot of feelings about it. And it's kind of become a social media phenomenon at this point. It's not a new phenomenon per se, but it's kind of gotten rejuvenated by the likes of TikTok and social media influencers. And I think that... Sorry. <laughs> what do you think, Tom? What do you I... think about trad wives? Trad wives. <laughs> trad wives is a loaded phrase because trad is often associated with Catholicism, and Catholicism has a, a family, very public family structure uh, that models, hopefully, the holy family of Mary, Jesus, and Joseph. And so as feminism has kind of created a lot of miserable people, women and men. There's an interesting secular trend going on now of this, like we need to offer something different. And mm -hmm. I think people have kind of almost made the traditional wife role into a cartoon or a caricature because that's kind of how everything goes on social media. It gets taken to the extreme and it almost gets put on like a costume. So it, it, it offends some people. It, it, it entices some people. There's a lot of thoughts and feelings. Um, Erica, I, I mean, it would be disrespectful to not start with the the mother and talented <laughs> writer represent. we have here. Erica, you are representing. Representation matters. Um, <laughs> what do you think about the trad wife trend we're seeing on social media? Yeah, so it's a really interesting thing. It's definitely a lightning rod, which you alluded to. It draws uh, adulation. I mean, these these women, uh, primarily on social media, and you know, there's a few big names. We're going to talk mostly about a woman named Esty Williams, who's kind of the lead in the in the trend. Um, and yeah, they stoke a lot of controversy because on um, both from more traditional, you know, Catholic and Christian families, because women in those circles tend to feel like these are caricatures of something good and beautiful that they're trying to achieve. And then obviously in the feminist world, it's like, oh, they're holding up the patriarchy that we've been trying to smash forever. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of good questions. I did go and listen to Esty Williams. She did an interview this month with Michael Knowles uh, over at Daily Wire. And I wanted to let her, you know, speak for herself with this, you know, sympathetic listener. And she had a couple of quotes. She said, he asked her, you know, what's your goal? What's your what's your goal in promoting your decision to sort of equate domesticity with femininity, uh, to say things like, I submit to my husband, uh, I stay at home, I trust my husband to provide for me, I'm going to care for my children myself. And she said, this is a quote from her, I want to embrace a natural role as a woman and be a mother and wife. You don't need a career to be a woman, which 
yeah, obviously, I agree with the, the statement. She said, I want to go back to roots and slow down and allow women to have joy in taking care of their family. And I think that the key there is allow, because at this point in the secular world and in a lot of Christian circles even, it's it's this thing of, you know, women, in order to show our worst, we have to become producers in society. We have to have a career that is fulfilling. And I see this a lot in my generation and in the younger generation coming up that you you prioritize career and self-identity. Um, you, you, you see yourself in terms of your work and then come husband, children, home. It's sort of like, well, yeah, I want to have a family. I want to raise children, but only after I have established my job, my career, only after we have the house, only after we have the two dogs or the cats or whatever. And um, what she was saying is as a college student, she decided she met the man she wanted to marry. And so she gave up all the career and she prioritized her family. Now, you also alluded to this is not a new phenomenon. Like this has been going on a long time. So let me just share with you in my 20 years of marriage, the history <laughs> of the mommy influencer. Go ahead. Erica, if yeah. I could. Yeah. We need, because Slow I me down. We, sorry. I, I, this is Are you a... telling me to shut up and get back <laughs> in the kitchen? I think that's what I'm hearing. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a tough episode. This is going to be a tough episode. Um, <laughs> I think it's important to maybe uh, offer a different side of what S.D. Williams mm. specifically is doing because all the quotes you said were actual quotes from her interview. Yeah. But I think if someone were to just look her up on TikTok right now and watch some of her stuff, they yes. might be rubbed a little bit the wrong way. And just so I can offer, you know, what's going yeah. on on both sides here. Um, so she spends a lot of time clearly, uh, you know, preparing herself physically to get in front of a camera. And uh, it almost feels like commercialize the tradition. Oh, she looks like Marilyn Monroe. Right. She, like, she's, she's very made up. And the uh, the irony of it, she's 25, she doesn't have kids, and she clearly spends a ton of time in front of a camera. Uh, there's no way she doesn't make money off of this. Mm -hmm. And she has a lot of fame and influence off of, you know, basically putting a what she thinks a traditional wife's role in front of a camera to thousands upon thousands of people. So, like, that to me doesn't really seem okay, traditional. It isn't. Uh, and, that, and, and, and it's true that mm -hmm. like some of the clothes she wears is even a little too tight fitting. And it's like, what what are you kind of actually doing this about? It's hypersexualized. Yeah. It's very sexualized. So, so yeah. in, in one sense, it's like, you know, so some of the critics are like, well, this isn't real. It's like, well, <laughs> wait a minute. Somebody's using social media to sell a fantasy. Like that's never happened before. <laughs> but right. I, it is interesting to start thinking about like why is what she's saying resonating with a lot of men and women? Like a lot of men are like, "Gosh, that's <laughs> not just the physical part, but that that she's actually interested in raising a family and not so obsessed with a career, and you know, says nice things about men and you know, want to be there, you know, wants to be there for her husband and that kind of stuff." Because I feel like, you know, feminism had some things to contribute to society, but it brought a lot of negatives. And one of the negatives it was, was just in general, a disdain for masculinity. And I think, you know, um, you know, just that she's saying, I like my husband and I want to treat him with respect. It's like, you know what, if you do that, like the best way to get a husband to do anything is not to berate him and scold him, which so many, which feminism has taught women to do. Like, yeah, you should scold your, your, your husband like he's a child. And, and that, I mean, that's what's been the history over the last 30 years, you look at popular culture and that's how, you know, women are yelling at their husbands and stuff like that. 
but a wife who's like, oh, you're the best. Hey, would you be willing to do this for me and ask so nicely? Like the guy will run through a, a, a brick wall. I mean, it's like, I was just fight, you know, find it so hilarious that the critique of this is that it's just, oh, well, you know, that's not that realistic. And look, I mean, the thing is, why is it that, as Erica said, having a career and getting a job and doing all that other kind of stuff is the primary focus now for women as well. It's like, those are very, that's traditionally what men would do. Men would go out and provide and for the family. And, and it's not that women can't ever have a job or do anything. I mean, it's such like we get so a lot of times with social media, we get in these hard dichotomies, you know, but it's true. It's not just that this recent thing with the trad wife thing. I mean, I know a lot of women who decide to, you know, stay at home and raise a family. My wife, obviously. And, you know, people just, they kind of, you know, like, how dare you? Like, why are you doing that? It's like, wait a minute. Feminism was supposedly about choices and you could choose whatever you wanted to choose. But apparently if you choose to raise Alas. a family. Yeah, right. Except. <laughs> that's yeah. when, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, you know, open the door and all these demons start screaming, like, what is the deal? It's, yeah. I, and and I want to get back. I want to get back. And Erica, I actually really want to like set this up for you correctly because you have so much um, knowledge and personal experience on this exact subject. You know, you are uh, you've raised a beautiful family. You've uh, th this might make some trad Catholics. And you're like, you've worked like yeah. you, you, you work for a Catholic vote right now. We're with you every Thursday. Um, so I think question for you then. So the words trad wives and seeing this kind of caricature on social media and a lot of these things suggested do you feel uh how does that phrase make you feel living the way that you're living now and being catholic because i think it kind of um some people will get rubbed the wrong way i think by that suggestion yeah and i'm gonna drop the word diversity here i think uh, <laughs> a little buzzword we all get a little itchy under the under the neck there uh, but <laughs> I, I think that, um, you know, when I hear the word trad wife, whenever you see these social media trends, like Josh says, we tend to get into these sort of hard and fast categories and identities that don't necessarily, they don't reflect um, either the, the most, the only way to be a woman or the only way to have a family and raise a household and make your priorities straight. You know what I think, and I wanted to present Esty Williams. You know, yes, I think she's. It's very plastic, and it's it's turn. It's almost a Barbie kind of thing in a in a traditional values Barbie. I don't know if there is such a thing, but uh, it's it's a little. I don't like watching the videos for that reason. But I think there's a truth there that Josh said. Why is it compelling? What's the attraction? Because the the truth that's there is that uh, the most the fulfilling the fulfillment of a human life happens in the gift of self and she's trying in her secular way in her sort of therapeutic design your own identity way to get at that that I'm going to give my life over to my family first to the human beings in my life first the other things follow um, now it's hard to swallow that pill when you're watching these influencers because they're making probably hundreds of thousands of dollars off of these accounts. So you're like, is that really the priority? Is it? And I think, you know, Richa Kalaki, uh, who's been on our Edify videos, she's a great, um, she's a great just thinker in terms of what does it mean to be a woman in the Catholic Church? Fellow Ave alum as well. Yeah, Ave University, I shout went, out. I went to college with her, yeah. Okay, Rachel. So we're gonna, I'm going to put her article um, in uh, into the show notes, but she talks about 
choosing the people that you follow in order to become the kind of woman or man you want to be. And she talks about this concept that influencer of influencer culture where these influencers tend to be very young. We mentioned Esty Williams and all these other moms are in their early to mid 20s. They well, have Esty or... Williams isn't a mom, by the way. And she's, she's not even a mom. Well, she just got yeah. married this earlier this year. So, you know, just. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Give her some time. Right. But well, I mean, she, she's she's upfront that, about the fact that she's changed her life around and that she had a, a life that was a little bit different. Yeah. So I'm not I don't want to totally barbecue her for this stuff. I mean, I get it. Yeah. No, not at all. Not at all. But again, like the idea that we find these influencers online who are young, beautiful. It's a curated presentation right. of what their life is like. It's not actual real life. Instead, Rachel Clackey's talking about we should be, as women in the Catholic Church, we should be forming relationships with older women who have lived the life, whose kids have turned out the way that you want your kids to grow up into. And I know for me, as a young Catholic mom, I was in graduate school for philosophy. I was going the PhD route, and I started having children. And I meet these women who had already, you know, eight to 10 kids. They're homeschooling their kids. Not that that's like the only way to do it, but they had lived a full, a, a full marriage. They had seen the full gamut of motherhood and they became for me um, my models. And it was about forming relationships with them and watching them parent sort of an apprentice journeyman master relationship that Rachel Clackey talks about in her article. That's a much healthier way of becoming the person and finding the fulfilling life that you want. And it's going to look so different because I knew women who had worked while raising eight kids. I knew women who had never worked outside the home raising eight kids. And they're all devout Catholics. They love our Lord. Some of them go to the TLM. Some go to a Reverend Novus Ordo. Others are even, you know, um, converts to the faith who are still figuring all that out. And it it's a much healthier way for young women than to jump on social media, find your tribe, and live on the internet like it's a real place. Well, and I also just want to say, yeah, okay, so like these, you know, social media accounts aren't really a realistic portrayal, and that's fine. It should be a jumping out point to have this discussion about how we got into this mess, you know, and how we're going to get out of it. I, I've always said men and women got us into this mess, and men and women are going to get us out of this mess. And just so, just so the social media accounts and all these things are, are not a realistic portrayal, which is, of course, true. It's also the case that the biggest transformation we had uh, on, on the family dynamic was in the 70s. That's when more and more, you know, uh, families were, were shifting away from this and women were entering the workforce. And I think part of the reason that was done, it, it was also not realistic. All these moms would end up watching like Phil Donahue and... He would have all these radicals on his show and would just convince women that they were being enslaved and this is horrible and they'd take a, a horrible case of, and then and then the wife and the husband just leaves you for his secretary and you're left with five kids and it's like okay that is also not a realistic portrayal uh, 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 portrayal of what's going on you know what I'm saying so it's like what happened is like overnight transformation and all of a sudden all the women enter the workforce and I would like to say part of the reason why is like hey, big corporations love women working out of the home. They don't want women, you know, as a, you know, like I always like to explain this this way, like if you're, if you're a big corporation, what can we do to lower wages? I don't know, double the workforce. <laughs> That's what they did in the mm -hmm. 70s. I exactly. mean, it's so, and right. do I have a problem with women working? Of course I don't. My wife 
my wife was a, a nurse. She worked for many years as a nurse. And then we started raising a family. She took time off. And then she went back to work for a little bit. Now she's helping to run a Catholic bookstore part-time. I mean, all these things, of like just like you, Erica, like now that the kids are older, you're in a position where you can go back to writing and editing and podcasting, and that's fine. There's, there's no The idea, though, is for women, it's like, well, you're saying that women should put you know, the family first. And I'm saying, I'm saying even men should put the family first, okay? It's never putting exactly. work first. Mm-hmm. The work that I do is, is in service to my family. It's, it's got to be understood that the husband and the wife are a, a couple. They are one. And they're like, how are we together building this family? How are we working together to make sure this works? That's the way it always has to be. Yeah, I love that. And I think it it picks up on the sort of the alternative to uh, just to bring up a pop culture reference here, Barbie movie. Like, let's bring that up too. big news. Barbie's like breaking the box office. Not a huge surprise because it's marketed to eight to 10 year old girls and their nostalgic mothers. But the solution presented in the Barbie movie and by, you know, the directors, producers, writers of that, the Hollywood solution to this is to divide men and women and to say, okay, Men have so messed up, they need to just go live in their little patriarchal fantasy. Women are completely victimized, so they're just going to go create their own Kate McKinnon, like, ugly Barbie or whatever she's called. And so by separate, the only way to fix this problem is to separate. So in a way, it's not very woke because it's saying, oh, there is a binary, and they just have to live in separate worlds. But that is not the Christian, Judeo-Christian approach to the sexes, that God created them male and female. And like you said, Josh, it's by the two working together that we're going to get out of this mess that was feminism. I have to plug this book. So Carrie Gress, uh, you know, one of the founders of Theology of Home, great website. I think a beautiful vision of femininity that's not like women equal gingham dresses and making, you know, cakes for their husbands who are peckish at work. I just couldn't stand that. That was one of the TikToks I watched. (laughs) He was feeling peckish and I made him a cake and it's like... (laughs) But anyway, I digress. So Carrie Grass, uh, her book comes out August 15th. Please go pre-order it. It's called The End of Woman. And she walks us through this history of feminism. And Josh, to your point about how capitalist, you know, big corporations, they love women in the workforce. They love the idea that women can just abort their babies and get right back to work. I mean, right. we saw this with Amazon offering to fly their workers to go get abortions so that they could get right back on the assembly line. And if, you, if you're thinking that like working in an Amazon packing house is a career and somehow is a women's liberation, I mean, that's pretty pathetic. Well, anyway, there's nothing wrong with hard so work, but I know what you're saying. No, right. hard work is yeah. fine. It's not- that's what's, hard, that's what's hard about this conversation is because you say one thing and it's just going to make one group mad and like it is a sensitive subject, but like a corporation is not going to love you the same way a husband would love you. I think it's, it's just the, the bottom line, right? Like even if you have the best job ever, you need to understand it as a job because- but as soon as you're inconvenient or the company's going through hard times, they will fire you. And like, that's just the reality. Like, it's just like Marxism, right? It's Mar- Marxism that it reduces every human citizen to a cog in the wheel, to a worker and a producer. There's no difference between men and women. There's no like, oh, you're a parent. That's different. Like you have other responsibilities that are primary. I'm going to tie this um, to the direct election of senators. How about that for a crazy connection? Oh, I'm excited. There's a lot of conservatives who do it. Who say, "Hey, man, that's where everything in this country started to really go downhill," uh, you know. And it's like, "Wait, what?" And I'm I'm one of them, by the way. 
the idea is, I know this sounds crazy, okay? Wow, very fascist. Okay, so here's you. the thing. We had, uh, you know, you've got the House of Representatives, you've got the Senate. The Senate used to be elected by the states. And the whole idea behind that was the House is directly accountable to the people at, at, at a temporary moment, and then we, then we'd be kind of crazy, and they might be a little hot. And the Senate is going to make sure that it is focused on the states. Why? So that the power of the federal government doesn't get too big. Okay, and we removed that 100 years ago, and it's been horrible. Okay, so man and wife in a, in, a, in a relationship. Husband is supposed to be focused on what? The external and a career and that kind of stuff, and the woman on the domestic. Now, it's not that she can't work outside the home and do things like that, too, but her, she's going to be, like, worried about the, in, the, in, the, the house and the home and making sure that's going well, and the man's out there to try to get the resources that the family needs to move forward. And so it's like... It, but if you switch it so that they're both working on the external, then who's focused on the internal? Who's focused on the domestic church? Who's focused on the family? Obviously, both the husband, the father, both the father and mother need to be focused on the children. I'm not saying that dads forget about it, but it's like once you you know switch that alignment and get women focused on a full time career, then it's like then they feel like oh, and that was been the, the been the big discussion for the last thirty years is like can you have it all? Can women do it all? Can they have a full-time career and try to raise a family? And there are women who are incredibly talented and they can do a lot of this stuff like this, but it is a lot harder, you know? And it's like, you do make sacrifices and you do have these trade-offs and we need to talk about There's it like a this. There are trade-offs. Yeah. And I just feel like, you know, we as a society, you know, that was the whole mommy wars in the 80s and, and it got, it would just get ugly. And it's like, you know, because people would be judgmental. I get that, but it's like, are we better off? If I could, if I could frame this too, and like, I, I, so I had a long discussion with my wife about this. Who, uh, she if makes anyone sourdough. Wants to know, yeah, she makes sourdough, but I also work for her on the weekends. She has her own business, so uh, <laughs> she's quite the enigma when it comes to the trad wife conversation. But um, I think the best way that we kind of came because we we often talk about in our marriage, you know, what are our what are our priorities? What should our priorities be? And are we aligned with those priorities? And I think the easiest way to frame it as a Catholic is I want you to get to heaven and I want our kids to get to heaven. And that's just like an easy way, I think, for everyone to understand it. Like we got into marriage because this is going to be a sanctifying experience for us to help each other get to heaven and lead our children to heaven. And I think, uh, unfortunately, people kind of treat either like economic um economic systems or jobs or whatever as a religion. And Tucker actually has a great clip on this, but basically he's like, you know, capitalism is the best system that we've ever thought of as humans, but it's not a religion. Mm -hmm. And we are not at service of the market. The market should be at service to us. And so there's people that, you know, found it empowering to be able to double their income by both working two jobs but now they pay someone else to raise their children. Right. Exactly. It's just a reality of what's and happening. There's more mm -hmm. in, and there's more, and the families have more income. And so then, the, then they're like, okay, right. let's go to, so you can buy more let's toys. go to Disneyland right. or Disney World every year and let's buy bigger houses. And so like families who decide that they don't want two people in the workforce are having to compete economically with, you know, <clears throat> families that have double income. And so it becomes that much harder to raise a yeah. traditional family. Well, and you get used to living a certain way and it's just, it's hard when you get to, used to living that way. And so basically, but if I could just like round this all out, um, 
we are not at service to the market. The market's at service to us. And if our priority as we are like our sacred obligation as parents is to, to educate your child, it's actually not just kind of a throwaway. It's actually in the catechism. You are responsible for the education, upbringing, and faith of your child. And I think Catholics really feel that seriously. And if you feel that seriously, and that's a priority to you, you need to organize the work, the like if, ethereal work around your priorities, right? Getting to heaven, raising your children, getting them to heaven. I just, in most scenarios, it is not best for your children to burn both parents out and then have no attention towards that. And I just, I see it not, I look at it and I'm not like, wow, you know, judgmental, like these people are doing it wrong. I almost feel sorry, I think, for a lot of, and and people have kind of lost their priorities. I don't think intentionally or maliciously, but there's, once you get there, it's hard to see clearly and reorganize your life. So the way that my wife and I think about it is like, um, okay, are our current situation, work situation, um, is it ordered around those priorities? And there's a lot of work. I want to bring this up too, because there's people who are uh, very, very orthodox and extreme that feel like women should never do anything that resembles work. It's just, it's not what they believe. And and I would, I the way that I like to think about that is there's work that needs to be done to run a family to reach those priorities. Some of that work has a dollar amount attached to it and you know you get paid for it. There's so much of that work that you will never see a dollar amount for. And that work is just as important, if not more important. I think the most important work is seeing my wife raise my son is more valuable than anything that I could ever get paid to do. You know, like that is Or pay someone else to do. Or pay someone else to do. And so like, I think about reorganizing the work towards the natural strengths of men and women as they complement each other, as God designed it to be. So how can we make that work into it? If that means the husband stays home a little bit, great. If that means the husband works all the time, great. If that means the wife has to go out and work and the husband stays home, great. It's all different. Like you said, diversity, but like, are we getting to heaven? Is this leading us closer mm-hmm. to heaven, leading us further away? And I think that's the missing piece to the trad wife thing, because I see it's a very secular trend and it doesn't talk about how marriage as a sacred institution in the divine plan is the male compliments the female in total gift of self to help them get to heaven. It's a better setup. And, and depending on your vocation, of course, because some people are led towards becoming priests or uh, lay consecrated virgins, or, or there's a lot of different options, but these are all designed for us based on our human anthropology to get to heaven. It's what's mm-hmm. best for us. So if you see it through that lens, I think it makes a lot more sense and isn't just a weird social media trend or you, you know what I mean? Well, it's so. not just picking like a flavor of ice cream. Like I feel like vanilla. I feel like chocolate. I feel like trad wife. I feel like, you know, no, very hair, true. Genie. girl boss. So it's, yeah. it's, um, I think, you know, the social media world is, is always, it's tempting to just be like, I can pick and choose. And like, who do I feel like it's kind of of a piece. It is of a piece with, um, like I said, therapeutic culture, self-creation and all this. Um, and unless you are tethered to eternity in understanding who you are, that there is a givenness about our destiny and a givenness about who God created us to be, um, it's right. going to fall flat. You were made for something. Mm-hmm. And I, that's a huge uh, psychology switch instead of the, I can become whatever I want. And funny enough, you look at Barbie movie, you look at these secular movies, it's always... I can be whoever I want to be. And the only one restraining me is myself and the patriarchy and evil men or evil women, regardless. Like those are all meant to divide us. Satan divides. Like we are best in complement to each other and connected. And so a lot of these things are just seeking to divide us and it's, it's wrong and, and evil. Like the best is when we're together. So, um, I think I like men. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They're great. My, my wife makes sourdough and it's great. And she Women also are... contributes, you know, in well, her talents actually, in different yeah, that's ways. Funny so too, it's funny, too, because I feel like, yeah, 
you know, conservative Catholic school circles, there's been enough of appreciation of what Pope John Paul had talked about in the 70s, about the, in the 80s, about the feminine genius. And he's, you know, it's like, oh, it's so nice that someone said, oh, it's so nice that you're, you're, you're coming up with all these teachings for women. He goes, it's actually also for men, you know. That was his whole point. Mm-hmm. Like, so men could, like, <laughs> open their eyes and see, you know, gosh, you know, this feminine genius. And I would like to say, this is true, but I think given how it absolutely still needs to be learned and taught and appreciated, but we also need a little bit more of an appreciation for the masculine genius. And it's more than just opening up a pickle jar, okay? It's understanding that there's a way, there's a way that men look at things and try to solve things at problems and, you know, play to their nobility and, and, and try to... We want to get men to be um, selfless, not selfish. We want to get them to be serving, uh, you know, servant leaders. And if you want that, the best way to do it is to try to appeal to, you know, their sense of solidarity and their gift of self and, and give them a noble thing that they're fighting for. Because there's too many men out there that look at marriage and they're like, why would I want to be a part of this? You know, it's like, you know, First of all, there's the, you know, it's, it used to be that you could only have uh, sex if you're inside marriage. Well, that's now not a problem. You can get it without marriage. No longer a motivating But factor. it's also the fact that outside of, outside of a, a cases of abuse, of course, if you don't count those cases, like something like 75% of marriages are ended by women. And it's yeah. like, mm. you know... So guys are mm-hmm. like, why would I do this? And and it, and it just feels like it's been ratcheted up so that marriage is like this. I ultimately think marriage is a major blessing, obviously. And I think it benefits women more than men, true. Uh, but I think it's so beneficial for both. And I just feel like we need to kind of like, to, you know, like, uh, how dare, our, you know, husband forget the anniversary. And this is so horrible. He's such an idiot. And we hate men. It's like, Maybe we should restore this kind of like, if we want more men to get married, like make it, I don't know, something that they want. <laughs> like don't make it, don't present it to be so miserable. Well, men, just my two cents. Men have been, just been dumped on, but men have been dumped on for so long. Like it just feels like there's this anger towards men and masculinity, at least me, like uh, seeing it in uh, popular culture and it's just become kind of accepted. Right to really rip on men and like i think we're both at our best if you appeal to the best things about men and women and you can and you can call it what it is and not feel like oh by saying that you know this man is uh, traditionally masculine and strong and decisive and knows what he wants those are somehow bad right it's like like, it's only females it's only female athlete are only females who decide they want to become a man and they take testosterone that we celebrate that. That's the only expression of testosterone we seemingly like in this society today. A little messed up. Uh, yeah. So I think those are all good points. We're going to move on now. Uh, we have to touch on this. This is not necessarily a fun topic, but I think it, it's very telling. So uh, we have a potential impeachment coming. So uh, Speaker of the House McCarthy has said the I word, uh, the impeachment wor- word. So we might be seeing some motion in terms of impeaching President Biden over some business dealings uh, with his son, Hunter Biden. And just to do a quick refresher, because there's just so, I feel like people have just heard all corruption all the time about Hunter Biden. And yes, like he's clearly lived a very uh, promiscuous is probably the the most generous way I could say at life. Uh, So this actually comes down to 
Hey, you know, to his credit, it's not easy being a Ukrainian energy expert. So, and an Tough, artist yeah. at the same time. I believe he just sold eleven paintings for nine hundred thousand dollars. About so, uh, yeah, artist and energy executive. Anyway, so Brisma Holdings, Brisma Holdings Limited, is a holding company for a group of energy exploration and production companies. It's based in Ukraine, and it is one of the largest private natural gas producers in Ukraine. So Burisma co-founder and CEO Mikola Zolchevsky claimed that he has he was coerced by then Vice President Biden and his son into paying millions of dollars for bribes in exchange for their help in pressuring Ukraine Viktor Shokin. Uh, in 2015, the head of Burisma, Viktor Shokin, was a confidential source reporting to the FBI. He said the company paid money to the Bidens to have the support of President Biden. Shokin was ultimately fired for his investigation at the request of Hunter with the support of Biden. And so Trump was threatened impeachment because he wanted to investigate uh, this, these dealings with the uh, shocking business. And so in 2020, Trump's allies obtained Hunter Biden's laptop, the laptop from hell, uh, as many of you know it. Uh, some of these contents related to these dealings uh, and then also with CEFC China and Brisma. Uh, I'm going to stop you okay, there. So one yeah. important detail that came out from this laptop. And again, like we could go on and on about Hunter Biden's like corrupt dealings. The important thing that has changed in the last few weeks is that the evidence is now overwhelmingly pointing to the fact that Biden has been lying uh, about his knowledge. President Biden has been lying about his knowledge and involvement in Hunter Biden's uh, dealings with foreign, nas foreign nationals, um, specifically Ukraine. And of course, everyone will remember that the line has been from the Biden administration Biden, the president, has nothing to do with his son's business dealings. And we'll remember the famous line of uh, Biden saying in, on the debate stage with President Trump, the second debate, not the one where they were like yelling at each other the whole time, but the second debate where he says, I have never received any money from my son's dealings. I have never received any money from foreign sources, unlike the man next to me on the stage. And he points to Trump who gets all his money from China. And Trump's just standing there like, I'm not responding because the last debate was so bad. But <laughs> Biden, it was but so it, bad. The evidence has become overwhelming that, in fact, President Joe Biden was on these phone calls. He was, in fact, getting funds directly from Hunter Biden, and Hunter Biden's funds were coming from these foreign sources. There was an email from 2019, and it's Hunter Biden talking to his own daughter, so the president's granddaughter, and he's just like, I hope you're grateful because. You'll never have to pay half of your dad's bills like I have to pay my dad's bills. And it's just like it literally says I pay my dad's bills. Is that the granddaughter that he acknowledges? Or no, he that's doesn't? not that one. No. Oh, OK. No. Gotcha. Sorry, I didn't know about that <laughs> this one. This is one of the acknowledged grandchildren, the, the fortunate yeah. few. But isn't it isn't it also a little funny that so the phone call that Trump got impeached over was digging into what it, we are now seeing as pretty clear bribery and corruption? Yeah, huh. irony. Two-tier justice system. So, <laughs> I, 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 you know, this this doesn't surprise me. We're going to hear uh, test, someone testify um, over this. His name's Devin Archer. He served as a director at Brisma. Uh, so, going forward, it just seems to me, and I saw a video from 2019 of Biden talking about this actually, and it is very, it's it's shocking to see the amount of mental decline that we have witnessed since then, and we've seen some kind of soft hit pieces, I guess, against him. I think there's an article about his temper uh, when dealing with other things. It seems like uh, it's people of outlets that were friendly with him before are kind of turning against him a little bit. Um, it seems to me that we're seeing a potential 
soft replacement for the 2024 election. Maybe that goes to Gavin Newsom. I honestly doubt that goes to Kamala Harris. But are you guys sensing as well, like, th- like these investigations could have happened at different times? You know, why are they happening now? Well, it is possible they're trying to make <laughs> make way for it. I, I, you know, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, mentioning impeachment. I just, I just don't know if that's possible. Here's my concern about that: like, if there ever came to light this much corruption on a Republican president, like the entire corporate media complex would broadcast it day and night, and eventually enough Republicans would go. Yeah, that that's kind of bad. We we should do something about it. And then the you know, things would start to fall apart and the and the the Republican president would resign or something like that. But my concern right. with this is like half the country, you know, the Democrats aren't even going to hear about most of this stuff. I mean, like they never hear about it on their news outlets, and so they have no clue all this corruption's going on. All, you know, they just think, "Oh, well President Trump was trying to coerce you know, Ukraine, Ukraine over, you know, aid that they were going to get. And he was holding up the money because he wanted them to do something. Ooh, okay. And so they never hear the other side of the story. They never hear any of this stuff. You know, I mean, the whole thing about the Hunter laptop, look, it, the New York Post r- discovered this laptop, ran the story like five weeks, three or four weeks before the election. Facebook, yes, uh, Twitter at the time was not owned by Elon Musk. All these social media outlets, would actively prevent people from sharing it, even on direct messaging between friends. Like, hey, check this out. Bloop, they wouldn't allow it. So it's like, how can you have this debate? You know, like if if the president had done enough crimes that warranted impeachment and re- and removal from office, how how would half the country even know about it? Because their their media is only telling the total filter. I mean, we joke about it here social media and all the filters, Instagram, all this. Yeah, the curated view. That's nothing. That's nothing like <laughs> compared to the corporate media. Hold my I mean, beer, it's says crazy. I, I love my mother <laughs> to pieces. All she does is watch the corporate media stuff, right? And it's like she, she, I, 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 we were talking the other, you know, the other day, and she was obsessed, obsessed with that New York Congressman George Santos. I'm like, this is such a non-story. Like, there's a hundred other stories that are more right. important than this. But I look and you look at CNN and NBC and they're obsessed with it. Oh, my gosh, this congressman, he lied on his resume, he got elected to office. Oh, so he's only like the 80th guy that had done that. I mean, who cares? Like it's all it's all the corporate media going squirrel, squirrel and trying to you know get everyone else's attention on these non-issues. And so that's my biggest concern with this. It's the same. It reminds me of Benghazi. And so many conservatives oh, are like, oh, wow. Hillary Clinton should be impeached. This is horrible. This is the worst thing ever. And I'm like, dude, I agree with you. It's egregiously horrible. But like half the country has no clue on this. And they're so out to lunch and they're not being told what's happening because we don't have a press that is honest with the American public. And and so that's why we've seen alternative media, you know, being built up. We see Daily Wire, Breitbart, you know, Washington Examiner, obviously The Loop all these different alternatives so that we can hopefully start to reach people. And then the, then the, the left will say, well, you're just in your own ecosystem with Fox and all that kind of stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> like, you guys are you so like out of touch. Uh, Give no. me a break. I mean, it's like, that, that's what just <laughs> drives me crazy about all this stuff. So 
They live on an island called Manhattan and stay there, except when they fly yes. to LA to like go to movie previews. That's oh, okay. Uh, welcome to the the media bias section because this has to be talked about. Good so, segue, Pogo. Uh, I, I try. I do what I can. So, uh, New York Times wrote a story about a nineteen uh, year old in Nebraska, and horrible. Before story. I even bring up the story, yeah. I'm not. I'm not even gonna read the headline. I mean, the New York Times headline you could read is completely biased. Um, it was it was a real tragedy. A girl. Um, I'll I'll read the headline that. So, if you're aware, there's a place I would recommend visiting. It's called National uh, Catholic Reporter. The Catholic and is they silent. are kind of known. Right, the Catholic is silent. They're they're known for just being a complete uh, liberal hack job. Uh, and so here's what was shared by one of their reporters on his Twitter. It's a screenshot of a very specific part. Nebraska teen who used pills to end pregnancy gets 90 days in jail. Celeste Burgess, 19, and her mother, Jessica Burgess, 42, were charged last year after the police obtained their private Facebook messages. Just shared a screenshot, no yeah, contact. Oh, and, and, and that was exactly the, the headline that the New York Times wanted for their audience. <laughs> right. And right. so then uh, the reporter then shared a picture of a policeman uh, handcuffing uh, this 19-year-old girl in a courtroom with her crying. No context. Zero. Uh, imagine what that's leading you to believe. It's leading you to believe that she was arrested because of a pro-life law in Nebraska about abortion. However, the part that they they left out, uh, which I happily added on Twitter, uh, part of the article that said, prosecutors said Burgess, who was 17, took pills to abort her pregnancy at 29 weeks. Later, she set fire to the fetus before leaving it in a field outside of Norfolk. And uh, what they didn't add was that they, uh, the private Facebook messages were, I need to get this thing outside of me and we're going to burn the evidence when it comes out. They uh, buried her, dug her up, or buried the baby, dug it up, buried the baby, dug it up, burned it, buried again, dug it up. So what she was charged with was felonious handling of uh, dead remains, essentially. It's, it's a felony in Nebraska, and so she's going to spend some time in jail. Right. She wasn't but, even charged under the, the abortion prohibition. No, she's she right. not charged under any abortion law. And it's actually a class four felony punished up to two years in prison. But when you want to talk about if you could spin like this is serial killer stuff, like Netflix makes documentaries on this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And a Catholic quote unquote reporter was happy to frame it in a very uh, selective way to try to take pot shots at pro-life laws that are saving lives in Nebraska to try to whip up animus against Shameful. it. Because that's what it did, by the way. There's people in the comments saying wow, we live in this authority where you can go to jail for an abortion. She burned a, a child. Well, like, no, that no, is she a serial killer remains. thing to do. Just to make sure we're clear. Mm -hmm. Yes. Cor correct. But Josh- No, I mean, I, I understand. I just don't want to make sure we're good. Yes. No, the whole point is- we Right. Okay. Thank you for your journalistic integrity, but there was no journalistic integrity going on over at NCR. The reason why a society says you don't burn the human remains of anyone you know, whether it's an unborn child or, or your grandpa, is because we understand that there's, it is immoral and evil action to do that. A, a human, the human being, a human person, has dignity even after they die. Like, it, you know, and, and it's something about us. I always say this, like, why is, for example, torture wrong? Like, if, if the person, you know, like if someone was to be executed, let's say, uh, and, and they're going to go be executed. It, it would not be appropriate for like the guard to just like, you know, humiliate him and, and like do all sorts of horrible things to him. It's like, oh, well, he's going to die anyway. It's like, no, no, no. 
it is it is impermissible for you to do something like this because it, what how it affects you. And so, like for example, like well, you know, the, this person's already dead. Therefore, what does it matter? Like N- Nebraska wasn't weighing. You're right. Nebraska was not weighing into the abortion debate on this. It was like it. We have a policy where we, as humans, do not tolerate burning of human bodies. Like, that's what this is about. And we don't allow for it because it darkens the soul. It's bad for you. You know, it's just, I mean, come on, get over it. And so the whole point is that this so-called Catholic journalist, Brian Fragat, was sharing this completely slanted article headline that was trying to right. make it Three seem shots. like, these big, bad Midwestern red states are against girls who just want to, you know, get, get have their They're just reproductive freedom, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Absolutely despicable and shameful. I can't believe it. Well, it doesn't stop there, Josh. So the, the next uh, social media firestorm that we encountered over the weekend was actually a tweet shared by the USCCB. Not <laughs> typically known to be the center of a lot of controversy, and yet... Uh, there was a controversial post, and I'm going to put it up for the YouTube listeners because let's play a game. Here's the picture. All right. I'm going to describe it for the audio listeners. It is of a beautiful wedding mass during the moment of consecration. And so we have uh, the bride and groom kneeling in front of the altar, and the priest is holding up a host. And uh, for those who have figured it out, congratulations. The priest is facing ad orientum, meaning uh, towards the tabernacle as opposed to towards the people. And it was a post about, that wasn't even the point of the post. The post is about celebrating National Natural Family Planning Awareness Week, NFP, which you would think would be the controversy. And usually Uh, it is. Usually it is. Every year. That's a hot button on its Uh, own. uh, But no. (laughs) No, the the controversy was actually about how uh, the priest was, quote unquote, facing the wrong way. And it made people very, very angry. Uh, Proud alumni of uh, Fordham University, uh, Teacher of Philosophy said, this post and picture obviously is an F you to Pope Francis. Shame on the sorry lot of you, crypt keeper, MAGA bishops for your disobedience and disrespect to the Holy Father. He tagged Pope Francis, which was nice of him, so you can let him know. Uh, we had some some more innocuous comments, you know, old picture, I hope. Uh, maybe you should check your stock photos for something up to debate, for up to date. It was five weeks ago. This was a good <laughs> the, one. This wedding was five weeks ago. Right, this poor girl, I, the, she was kind of a part of it. She's like, yeah, that was my wedding picture. Like, and people are like, oh, sorry, you had to be a part of this. Uh, so uh, here's a good one. Mass Adorantum, proselytized by far right, uh, it tagged Mill Arch USA, anti-Pope Broglio. Yeah. Uh, contrary to at Pontifex Modu Proprio Traditionis Custodes, uh, Broglio's new Roman DC will construct third St. Peter's Basilica next to Pentagon. Oh my gosh. I um, just, my brain broke when you were reading that. I just can't even follow. <laughs> What a, what a, <laughs> no, uh, I love the first yeah. wave. The first wave of comments, though, like right when it posted, the first wave were a bunch of, you know, more leftist Catholics, like outreach buds. They're, they start posting it. They're being like, why is this a TLM mouse? Why are you showing the old right? Why are we? Sh-? And it's so clearly a Novus Ordo. I'm like, you're just displaying your liturgical illiteracy here because like it's clearly yeah. a Novus Ordo. There are concelebrants. He's not at the high altar. It's so obvious. But just like the ignorance. And then as they realize their well, mistake, the tone turns to this, like, you're promoting, like, 
bad things. Some people got the NFP. But so, okay, before we get into implications, yeah. I just, I got to get some of the good comments out of the hopper here. All right. So someone commented, wow, I bet the priest didn't even open mass with a few jokes or play jazz guitar during the entire mass. What is this? 300s AD? <laughs> uh, my favorite one, I think, was the, the photo used here leads me to believe the USCCB knows who actually uses NFP. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> They know their audience. Well played, USCC. And then uh, final one was, don't worry, guys. They still sang Table of Plenty for the Eucharistic yeah. hymn. Here's the funny thing about this. <laughs> Ultimately, I mean, it's probably a staff member. It wasn't like a bishop personally selected this photo anyway. And that, that staff member might have actually been a priest. Who knows? I mean, and they probably looked at this photo and go, this looks like a very nice reverential photo. Let's use this photo. And they didn't even like think twice, like, Oh no, it's ad orientum or ad, ad populum. Like no, they just like this is a beautiful picture. Let's use it, right? You know, and like, and, and if you came up to the bishop and said, "Hey, this po- this social uh, this uh, post uh, drew a lot of attention on social media," and the bishop would look at it and go, "Okay, yeah, oh, because people like the photo, it looks pretty, or what?" Like, oh no, no, it's ad orientum, <laughs> and they got all mad, and they go, "Why would they be mad?" Like, t- like this idea that all the bishops are like. Hardcore MAGA right wingers is laughable at its face. But the, <laughs> it's so. But to them, we talk about this all like the time. The, That's ridiculous. The hard lefties are like so angry about like this liturgical. You know, how dare it be ad orientum? Like, it's it's hot button to you. Everyone else is not like freaking okay. out about this. It's like you ask most bishops, right. and they're like, "Oh, that looks nice. Okay. Oh, what, what's the big deal? Why is everyone upset? Oh, well, because it's ad orientum. Well, we have photos that aren't that way too. It's like we're we're, we're not like. They're not draconian. I'm glad they kept it it's up like, because, yeah, but like it doesn't, it truly continues to shock me why there's so much animus. Like this just is such a hot button for certain people who hate anything Orthodox adjacent, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what this is associated with is Orthodox Catholicism. That's how it was done before uh, Vatican II. And there's nothing in Vatican II that suggests that ad orientum is wrong or should the be changed. The only people get mad at this. Um, there's new interpretations. The only people get mad at this is to think that the church, the Catholic church started with Vatican II and that everything else mm-hmm. before it was done <laughs> was over. Yeah. It's what C.S. Lewis called the, the uh, what's it, chronological snobbery that anything that is before the 70s or anything that's after the 90s, maybe like any, it has to be from the 70s or 80s for it to be legit and accepted. Uh, 70s, 80s, and the 70s. I mean, the 70s is like one of the worst decades ever, and it's like you're stuck in it. Like, get (laughs) over it. Why do we want to stay there? Come on. (laughs) The point is, the 70s gave us instant coffee. Like, get over it, people. Like, this is terrible. (laughs) And felt banners at mass. And gas lines. Horrible. I mean, like, do we have to have a church that's music is stuck in James Taylor's 70s garbage forever? Like, why is that the one tradition we hold on to? Oh, let's make sure our music is crap. Yeah, this is our historical tradition, liturgical tradition as Catholics. Why can't we at least look at it with some like reverence or appreciation? It's like it's odd to see true anger over it. There's a lot of true anger over this post. And it's like usually people are angry about NFP, which is like a beautiful sacrifice and a way to become closer with your wife and work with God's plan for marriage and having children. But instead, it was about a priest facing the wrong way. The reason why they're so mad is they're worried that Catholicism might break out. All right. Uh, yeah, I think that does it. Uh, there's also some, I don't even know if we really need to get into this, but there's uh, more swipes at Catholic vote over uh, some things we're working on at the border with Catholic charities. Um, there was uh, a buoy put up by uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, and those buoys are getting Catholics to call for him to be refused the Eucharist. 
um, which is an interesting <laughs> take because they had a different take when Nancy Pelosi was uh, refused the Eucharist. So now we're, I guess, going to try to weaponize that. But um, the argument, well, so uh, Texas is trying basically what they can to keep the border uh, somewhat secure and orderly. Uh, and the Biden administration actually saw that and are suing Texas uh, over putting that up, saying that they can't put that border there um, because they can't apparently have a semblance of a normal border. And uh, Catholic lefties are saying that uh, anyone that's in favor of this structure uh, is, uh, or actually a sound border for that matter, uh, is anti-Catholic, should uh, not receive the Eucharist, isn't pro-life. Uh, the list goes on and on, although we've seen conflicting reports saying that um, uh, child trafficking, human trafficking is at all-time highs at the border. Uh, we're losing track of children that come into the country, which doesn't seem very pro-life to me. Um, if anything, it seems like the best solution would be for the federal government to institute somewhat of a coherent and sound border policy to humanely, uh, you know, allow people to come into the country under the right circumstances. But uh, a free-for-all seems like a better option for certain people, and uh, I just think it's incomprehensible and evil. Um, but yeah, just really unfortunate situation going on at the border, and uh, we're getting swipes for that. Um, and then, yeah, uh, there's a guy on Twitter, I'm not even going to name him because he makes me so annoyed, but um, everything is uh, climate change. Uh, and if you're not willing to accept that, you can't become Catholic. Uh, the tweet he put out was, uh, if you want to convert to Catholicism, great, but you need to accept Catholic social teaching in its entirety. You can't bring your far right ideology with you. Um, so that's where we were at Twitter over the last couple of days. Um, it's wild west out there, guys. I like one of our interns uh, termed it bitter Twitter. We've got bitter, bitter Twitter. bitter Twitter showing up in Catholic Twitter land. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I always hate to even give them attention because they're like usually only have like a couple thousand followers and like yeah. the only people that really care about them are other liberals on Twitter. I don't think it really gets too far out of there. Yeah, but and just remember, I like don't... we go on Twitter, so you don't have to. So this is not a call for all of yeah. you to get on Twitter. <laughs> not a call to get on Twitter. Twitter warriors, we're just letting you know that this is out there. What we do for Catholic folks. <laughs> right. What are we Sacrifices do? we Sacrifices. make for you guys. It's all about self-sacrifice. The gift of self. Yes, yeah. the gift of self. Yeah. Uh, so Josh, Twilight Zone, you're up first. Well, I mean, I'm... People who read the loop saw this, of course, but uh, Senator Bob Casey, he drives me absolutely up the wall. His father was a real strong pro-life governor of Pennsylvania, two terms. He was um, denied, his, his father was denied an opportunity to speak at the 1992 Democratic National Convention. It's like, wait a minute, like humongous governor from a big state, Pennsylvania, why wasn't he able to speak? Because he was pro-life. Like one of the court cases that we thought was going to overturn Roe which was uh, Casey v, uh, versus Planned Parenthood. He was the pro-life governor. That's Casey, him. But his son has the same name, but is not the same man. Let me tell you, he's horrible. And for, for the first like 20, 15, 20 years, Senator Bob Casey Jr. tried to pretend he was pro-life. He would use the moniker. And we're like, all this whole time, Catholic was like, he's not pro-life. He's full of baloney. He's horrible. He votes for bad things. And he'd vote like one pro-life thing every once in a while. I'm like, see, look, I'm not so bad. And he'd do that to fool Catholic voters. We're like, stop believing this guy. He's horrible, okay? And so then finally, you know, eventually he's just dropped the whole routine. And he's like, I'm, you know, he, he supports every abortion bill that comes before the Senate now. And he's absolutely horrible. Well, in addition to this, now he's calling for taxpayer funding of a, a rainbow organization that's promoting youth drag shows. So he wants taxpayers to pay money to this Philadelphia organization that has hosted youth drag shows of $1 million. 
to give it to this organization. So it's like, you know, it just drives me up the wall, like total debauchery, like drag shows. Like you can't, I mean, I mean, like try to, I always say this, like try to imagine the opposite, but not that it's the true opposite, but like if would any senator say, we really need to have, you know, uh, a bunch of youth see strippers and let's pay, have taxpayers pay a million dollars. Like, why is it wrong? Like it's, People would never think of that, but it's like, suddenly if it's gay, it's okay. Like, wait, what? It would be, if anything, it would be worse, but- <laughs> If it's gay, it's okay. That is quite okay. the tagline. If it's okay, yeah. if it's gay, I mean, it's okay. so, again, it's just- and I, Too much truth to that, unfortunately. So this is his way to try to appeal to his voters and say, don't worry, I'm not this pro-life Catholic guy anymore, you know, and- uh, Yep. I mean, he's been kind of, in a sense, been wearing drag, pretending he's pro-life for all this time. <laughs> Ooh, deep Shots cut. fired. Um, so uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun. You know, it's kind of hot in the streets to do reactions these days. And uh, I have something for us to react to. So strap, strap in your seatbelts. Richie Greenberg walked into a San Francisco Walgreens when he saw in the frozen food section this. Chains, heavy chains that went from padlock to padlock on both sides of the doors. And this was bizarre, something I'd never seen before. This is just more icing on the cake, telling us that rampant crime is, is, has become a, a regular part of life. So typical that in the 30 minutes we were at this Walgreens, we watched three people, including this man, steal. Did that guy pay? Oh, Did gosh. that guy pay? He didn't. They're just like, no, uh, he didn't. CNN was he trying to say oh, my that the shoplifting was, was not a big deal. And it's just Republicans make Yeah. It. So a headline So a headline as early as January of 2023, stores say shoplifting is a national crisis. The numbers don't back it up. <laughs> and then uh, to confirm that, they set a CNN crew down to San Francisco and literally witnessed three shopliftings in a half hour that there was. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> that's precious <laughs> like that uh that's like a key and peel sketch like but, that, that's like a that's comedy sketch saying, though, like some like, things are just funnier than remember the comedy. riots you know like in minneapolis like and it's like literally oh it's it's just a little bit of a piece Burning of protest cars. and literally there's flames yeah. behind them you're like <laughs> <laughs> just a little protest turn around and report what you're seeing like keep it to Look. keep it to that <laughs> just describe what you're seeing Josh, I know you're an ice cream guy. If you had to go to your uh, store in uh, rural Michigan and you had to get an attendant to unlock a padlock, what would that be signaling to you? Yeah. <laughs> well, let me just say. Get just, the hell out of Dodge. Try that in a small town. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I think the, uh, the padlocks and the plexiglass, they were saying like there's plexiglass over ketchup. Like, how could... How do we live in a functioning society if you have to get behind plexiglass to get ketchup? Like, that should be... I know that later in this interview, they're interviewing some, some people in the community. They're like, yeah, we recalled the DA because he, this is unbelievable. And, like, it's not fully fixed, but something needs to be done about this. It's like, yeah. But you're right, though. Like, I live in the rural areas. I don't have to really worry about this. What do I care? What, quote, unquote. It's like, well, actually... I, I sympathize for the people who live in these communities because they're the victims. Like. You have these right. thugs totally. that, cause, that are just walking the streets and steal. If if you can go into a Walgreens in broad daylight and just steal whatever you want to steal, 
what does that do to your society? Like, like you're like, well, wait a minute. I, if I can do that crime without getting punished, maybe I can do something else. And they'll just start punching people in broad daylight and they'll just take whatever they want. They'll steal cars next. Like it breaks down society and you just throw things at windows. Like absolute chaos. Yeah, it's, it's uh, crazy too because I've seen the progression of this where shoplifting has happened. It's not prosecuted. And then the the next iteration is, well, I'm not prosecuted for shoplifting. And then these stores have to make business decisions. And they're like, well, we need to leave San Francisco. We can't have a Walgreens in San Francisco. And then they leave. And then what is the blame for this? Oh, it's racism. And there's food deserts now because in these minority areas, there's no stores, there's no fresh food, anything like that. And it's like- For pharmacies. Mm-hmm. It's not even, like, it's not racism. It's the problem of these people who are in charge to run society. Of course. You can't keep course. a civil enough society yeah. to have food available for people. It's like- Trust me, these evil corporations want to profit from selling food to everyone. And so if they're not selling in certain <laughs> neighborhoods, well, maybe that's because you steal it from them. Indicative of a problem. Yeah, hello. Right. Yeah, you need to, there's a problem. Mm. All right, that's all I got. Erica. All right, I'm going to bring it full circle. Now we're going to go back to the anti-trad wife. Uh, so we're going to go, the face of feminism, Hillary Clinton. She had some, she made some news this week. And uh, she was responding to a tweet from her friends at the think tank Center for American Progress, which I like to call Center for American Regress. They tweeted out, quote, MAGA Republicans are pouring fuel on the climate crisis fire. I hope you appreciated the poetical like allusions there. So she retweeted this statement and she said, quote, hot enough for you. Thank a MAGA Republican or better yet, vote them out of office, end quote. And I loved my favorite response to this. So basically, it's MAGA Republicans' fault that the world's getting hot and, you know, we're having these heat waves in Dallas. It's over 100 degrees. In in July. In July. Not to mention that it's like 60 degrees on the West Coast up north in the Washington, Oregon. But basically, what she's saying is, if you vote for Democrats, the weather will improve. And I just loved the quotes. The, the response. I saw, to the I saw a really good one. Yeah, that was... I saw a really good one. It was like me exercising my God like a power to control the weather <laughs> because I voted for Trump. That's right. I remember back in the day when we used to make jokes about like, you know, George W. Bush is responsible for global warming. Now it's called climate change. So it's just it's the same tune. It's like it's all it, there. It had fault. a rebrand. Yeah. Yeah. This was Seth Dillon at Babylon B. If you elect Democrats, the weather will improove. And it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and uh, <Yeah. laughs> if I could really if I could really bring us full circle, you want to talk about someone who uh, is young and achieved social media fame that has basically nothing to contribute to any intellectual conversation. St. Greta. Greta Thunberg. St. Greta. Come on, guys. Yeah. Seriously, what does she know? About? <laughs> you on. know, like, let's be honest. Like, what does she know? Someone <laughs> made the point that she was actually born on the exact same day as Kyle Rittenhouse, who answered the call to go to Kenosha to defend that town after the riots and, and happened to just accidentally, you know, kill, not accidentally, two people tried to kill him and he defended himself. He defended himself. himself trying to be glad. But uh, both Greta Thunberg and uh, Kyle Rittenhouse were born on the exact same day and year. And someone's like, imagine a rom-com. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. I have a movie. I have a proposal. That's Here we amazing. go. Gosh, don't yeah. let that out of the... Yep. Come on, you got to save that one. We got to make pitches. Okay. I think we rounded out there. Thank you for uh, tuning in this edition. Things that help the program. Reviews. Reviews help us a ton. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. Send us an email, loopcast at catholicboat.org. 
the best thing you could do is share us with a friend. If you if you like what we got going on here, share us around. Um, we appreciate you all so much, and we'll sign off with a St. Thomas More, St. Fidelis, and Our Lady of Guadalupe. Pray for us, pray for all the listeners, and we will see you on the next one. Bye, guys.